Good morning, Life in the Sun. Good morning, and good morning to those that are joining us online today. My name is Chris. I'm one of the leaders here at Life in the Sun, and I just want to welcome you this morning. Uh, today, we're going to be embarking in round three of our series, Trustworthy. And Trustworthy is a series to build a stronger foundation in Christ through a deeper revelation of the covenant relationship with God that produces greater faithfulness. So who wants greater faithfulness in here? Amen? I mean, I, I, I know I do. I just, this is something I think that, you know, just as we felt the Spirit moving this morning already, faithfulness is always going to be an area of our life where we're going to feel like we fall short, right? If you don't, you're not human. <laughs> Amen? All right? None of us ride this big wave of success every single day. Amen? We're, we're struggling, right? We struggle to believe. We struggle to move forward. And, and even when we think we're doing everything right, it never fails. We open up the Word of God and we're getting poked, right? Right? This is normal, okay? I just want you guys to be encouraged this morning. So before we get uh, started and dive into this, let's pray. Father God, we thank you that today is another day that we have an opportunity to hear your word and receive the instruction that we need to put our trust in you in a deeper and greater and more powerful way. Father, let your word permeate each and every heart that is here today and allow them to listen intently to the word that is being spoken to them. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So today, we're going to be covering God's passion. God's jealousy. It's like, wait a minute, jealousy? I thought jealousy is like bad, right? Well, with God, it's not. Okay? How many of us here were jealous in high school? Yeah, raise that hand, right? Come on, come on. How many of us had our eye on that other girl or that other guy? But there were already somebody else's boyfriend or girlfriend, right? We were jealous. It happens. It's normal. But what I want us to begin to look at is what about God? Do you think God gets jealous? What does God get jealous of? Well, there's a lot of things that catch our eye in this world, right? Things that draw us away from Him. They're not good things that draw us to Him. They're things that draw us away. They're, they're called idols in the book. Idols, also known as images. We hear the term false images. Sometimes we think of, uh, you know, these foreign uh, statues, you know, statues of Buddha and, and all this stuff. But what is behind them is really an attitude of being captivated by things that draw us away from God. Amen? So let's go ahead and get started with our word today. And our word is out of Isaiah chapter 2. And starting in verse 5, this is where Armin actually left off last week. And I wanted to kind of include that in this week's uh, scripture study. So it says, Come, house of Jacob... And let us walk in the light of the Lord. 
And I want you to begin to put some pieces together as we discuss this this morning. What does the light do? Right? You don't stumble in the light. You stumble in the dark. Light provides vision. It helps us see clearly. What do we see properly in the light? Images. You see, when we see false images in the darkness, we don't know they're false because we're in the dark. Kind of makes sense, right? We need a flashlight. So God provided his word for his flashlight. For you have abandoned your people, the house of Jacob, because they are filled with influences from the east. And they are soothsayers like the Philistines. They also strike bargains with the children of foreigners. Their land has also been filled with silver and gold, and there is no end to their treasures. Their land has also been filled with horses, and there is no end to their chariots. Their land has also been filled with idols, for they worship the work of their hands, that, that which their fingers have made. So we see something here that's repeated over and over. Amen? What is it? It's the word filled. They were filled with many things, right? But what does it say they were not filled with? They were not filled with him. They were not filled with the God that fathered them. We have an instruction in our New Testament that says be filled with the Holy Spirit because he is the one that bought us. He's the one, as we heard this morning, who's our provider, Jehovah Jireh. You see, the house of Jacob look, looked just like the nations that surrounded them. They were filled with their influences. This reminded me of Deuteronomy 20. This is where God had called the Israelites to take out the nations as they entered into the promised land and their idols. You know, it seems kind of harsh, right? You know, like, man, you know, God wants to wipe out people. But you have to understand it's not the people. It's what they worship. It's idols. These influences that were alive in the land that God wanted eradicated. He wanted them wiped out. So we go to the next verse. It says in Isaiah 2.18, And the idols he shall utterly abolish. Praise God. So if God wants the idols abolished, what about the idols that we carry into our lives right now? He wants them abolished. Why? Because they draw us away from understanding who God is. They draw us away from knowing who we are, our true image. Isaiah 2.18 says, all right, we just read that, sorry. So idols, as it is mentioned in this section, they simply mean weak, feeble, poor, insufficient, and worthless. So many of the things that we look to in this life for satisfaction, do they always leave us empty in the end? Yes. Thankfully, God has promised that truth, and it always comes true. The Bible says that men's heart and eyes are never satisfied. Our hearts are never full. Why? Because we don't recognize the true image of God. We don't see him, as we sang this morning, as our provider. We go to these worthless things to receive what we need, but we don't realize how worthless 
They are. They bring up two things for us. These are weak substitutes that bring up two things. These are excuses for not believing in his promises. What are these promises? Glad you asked. Allowing idols to captivate our attention reveals either a weak or an empty faith. Because of this, God wanted the destruction of these idols. They are what prevent us from seeing him. Remember back in Genesis? These idols were something that we actually brought into existence ourselves. We, we produce these things because of our lack of understanding of God as being our provider. You see, back in Genesis, God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. God created us to be just like him. But we are now in rebellion against the image of God. We fall for idols because we have a distorted image or images of our Father, and we have distorted images of ourselves. Let me explain. I put images because it's plural. It could be a, a multitude of things. They're different for each one of us, right? If we have the wrong image of God, we're not going to trust him. I always tell people, why trust in a God that you don't love? Why trust in a God you don't see? Why trust in a God who is less for you, who doesn't give you what you're searching for? And second of all, when it comes to distorted images of ourselves, we can either be too proud, I don't need God, or we can be too scared. I can never be accepted by God. I'm always going to be stuck like this. Both of those are distorted images. Let's go to Exodus 27. This is powerful, guys. This is what really kind of shattered me when I was going into this study. Let's read. You shall not take the, the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. You're like, well, okay, how does that fit? Well, the word take here simply means bear. So let's read it again. You shall not bear the name of the Lord, the image of God, in vain. For the Lord will not leave him unpunished who bears his name in vain. What does that mean? That means if I'm claiming the name of Christ, but I'm not bearing his image by faith, that's why we end up getting punished in this life. Not because God sends stuff down on us, but because we fall victim to the worthlessness of the idols that we claim that will help us. Every time we do what we do, we think it's going to do something for us. But we have this, uh, this common understanding, right? We have this, this phrase that we hear it all the time. What is the, the definition of stupidity? It's doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Idols are worthless. They're weak, and they will always leave us empty. You see, God's passion is for His glory. He is passionate for us to see Him for who He truly is in His majesty. He is jealous to be the supreme treasure in our lives above everything else. 
even to the point where we would destroy anything that steals his majesty, would steal his image. Why would we trust in kings without strength or honor, wells without water, trees with no fruit? These are false images. Why would we believe in these things when we have him? He is our provider. Malachi 1.14 says exactly who he is. He says, I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name, remember, bearing his name, will be feared among the nations. If you will not listen, if you will not take to heart, and we'll get into this later, heart, think about that, to give honor to my name, to his image, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. You see, God allows us to walk in unbelief that he is our provider. Why? Because he wants you to come to the end of your idol. He wants you to come to the end of it and understand and now truly believe that those are worthless and they need to be cast. And we'll get into that in a little bit. You see, God will allow us to walk in unbelief. So we go to 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Why does God allow that? Because in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. We're talking about images here. Whoa, wait a minute. The image of God is Christ himself. Well, who are we if we have taken him as our Savior? Right? Let's connect this. God is restoring the image back to what he wanted. In the garden, he wanted the image to be in place, for us to be his image bearers. But somehow we got tempted away, we got pulled away by the things that are lesser. And God is grieved. God's heart is, is, is yearning for us to come back to see him for who he truly is. He is gracious. He is kind. He is long-suffering. We go through all of the, the good things of, the, uh, of uh, 2 Corinthians 13 of what love is. Why? Because God is love. And why does he want us to see, us, or see, us to see him in that light? Is because love never fails. Idols will fail, but God never fails. You see, God's passion is for us to walk in this light and to allow his glory, his image, to be seen in us because now it's not just about us. It's about the world, the redemption. That's what Jesus meant when he said the, the kingdom of God is now among men. Because now people can see the kingdom of God in us. But we have to come to him with our idols. And he is faithful to remove them. It's what Jesus did on the cross. You see, the, the house of Jacob had allowed the influence of foreigners, wealth, materialism, foreign gods, and the work of their own hands to captivate their attention. God's glory had faded and was replaced with lesser things. We become satisfied with lesser things. 
But God is trustworthy. He is faithful to lead us. This is the point. We have to follow as he leads. He leads us in the way, even if it means exposing our idols. But no, this is not to condemn us. But so that we would repent and come to him to be cleansed of their influence so that we could bear his true image to the world. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough? Clean out the old leaven, the old image, so that you may be a new lump, a new image. Romans 8.29 says, From, uh, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son. When you came to him, this is his will for you, to be conformed to the image of of his son. What is an image when we look at it in this context? It is a set of attributes, right? Jesus has a set of attributes. God has a set of attributes. Kindness, long-suffering. He's generous. He's forgiving. He's merciful. He's loving. He's just. He's righteous. Church, we have these things in Christ, but the only way for us to get them is to come to him in faith and repentance and humility, leaving our idols behind. We must walk away from that which binds us. That's called repentance. It's not where we just try harder. It's not where we just try to do the right thing or stop doing the wrong thing. No, it's about coming to him. Every time we fail, every time we mess up, but the enemy wants you to be confused. He wants you to be condemned. He wants you to be uh, put down to the point where you give up on the goodness of God, where you give up on his ability to provide for you. He wants you to come to him over and over and over. That's the walk of God. That's the walk of Christ in us. We come to him. We sacrifice. We crucify ourselves on the cross over and over and over. We die to ourselves. And as we do that, God's love fills our heart because we come to the throne of grace in our time of need and we find that God is actually merciful to us. He's not condemning you. He's not making you do anything. He simply is standing there saying, come to me all who are weary and, and, and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Do not go to these worthly, worthless idols anymore. Do not partake of their delicacies is what the word says. Because I am enough. Didn't we sing that this morning? I am enough is what God says. I am your provider. I will provide. Just like he provided the ram in place of Isaac, he will provide for you. Yes, we must die to ourselves, but he is not wanting to annihilate you. He's wanting to rebirth you. That's the new image. That's the walk that God wants. So understandably so, there may be areas in our lives where we have not turned from, or maybe even we've turned back to these idols. And we end up shutting the Lord out. Why? Guilt, fear, shame. When we do, these things continue to replace him. The leaven and old images, they remain. 
the old man and the new man. That's what we're talking about this morning. An old image and a new image. God's acceptance and love for us is not based on what we do or don't do. However, right, we got to go into James, right, where, it, where what we do reveals whether we've accepted God's love and salvation or not. See, it's not a, the question isn't, does God accept me? The question is, is do you accept Him? Because when we accept Him, we come to Him. If we don't accept Him, we stay away. And the reality is, in both occasions, we are unacceptable to Him without Christ. That's why when we come to Him, we come to Him in Christ. He is our salvation. That's why that is the only name given among men in which we can be saved. Because it is Him that sets us free and gives us the ability to come to the Father and to receive our mercy in our time of need. You see, sanctification is God's work in us. We are His workmanship. His workmanship. Stop laboring for your righteousness. Come to Jesus. Rest in Him. Be magnified by His majesty. Because right now, if those idols are magnified, they have their own sense of majesty, right? They have their allure, they have their good things. But the one thing about God is, never fades. Never fades. Never goes away. It's always present. These idols that we take advantage of are worthless. They satisfy for a season. Sin satisfies for a moment. But afterwards, death remains. Right? What is death? Spiritual death is simply separation from God. We are separated in our mind and heart from God because we're not taking advantage of the mercy and grace that has been afforded to us, been bought by a death on the cross. He suffered so that you could have access to the Father. Yes, there's going to be suffering. There's going to, just like Armin said this morning, there's a mountain to climb. Is climbing a mountain easy? No. You know, we want, we want the easy way, right? We want to be able to just slide right into our walk with God. But God is like, no, it's not that easy, brother. It's not that easy, sister. You got to die to yourself. You got to strip those idols away and come to me. But God is faithful. Sanctification is God's work in us. But we must continue to present ourselves to Him as one alive from the dead and walk in faith, especially when we fail. Because when we only focus on our failure, our sin, and our struggles instead of His grace, it shows that we are walking by sight, the old image, and instead of faith, the new image. But you might ask, why is accepting his love and grace and joy while living in this sin and struggle seem so impossible? Even when we come to him in repentance and faith. Again, we have distorted images of our Heavenly Father and we have distorted images of ourselves. Let me explain. 
When we have a distorted image of God and ourselves, these, again, hinder our ability to repent and receive his love from walking in intimacy with him. Like Paul, I pray that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened so that we will know the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, in us? And what are the suppressing greatness of his power towards us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. We sang that this morning. We cannot experience a healthy, intimate relationship with God without this proper understanding. And in this section of Scripture that I just quoted, Paul is restoring the image of God in us. You see, when you look, or let me ask a question, very simple question. When you look at God, what do you see? What image of God do you have? Now, I'm going to present two extreme images, and like I said, these images are multiple. They fall anywhere in, in the spectrum. But do you see a selfish tyrant that simply demands blind obedience? Or do you see a loving father that sent his own son to take your sin upon himself so that you could be free? These are two different images. And then when God looks at you, what do you think he sees? The sin you might have committed yesterday or the dirt and baggage you may be carrying in this house today? Or even things maybe you've done in secret? Yeah, <laughs> he sees it. But it's not what he's focused on. What is God focused on? He's focused on whether you come to him. So how does God see us? Let's go to the next scripture. It says, the Lord is gracious and merciful. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Romans. Oh, never mind. Okay, I do. I, I want to see. I want to read this. Sorry, I skipped it. The Lord, God, the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, Great in loving kindness, the Lord is good to all, and his mercies are over all his works. Remember I said this is the right image of God. This is who God is. Romans 4, 7, and 8 says, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. This is how God sees you. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. See, God is not ignoring your sin. He paid for your sin. We're not playing games with God. God does see our sin. He's not saying we don't have any sin when we're in Christ. He chooses not to see it. Why? Because he sees Christ instead of your sin. This is the beginning of the turning. This is the repenting. This is the, wow, I'm beginning to see God as merciful. He's not out to get me. Isaiah 1.18 Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. 
Though your sins be as scarlet, they're there, they shall be white as snow in my eyes because I see Christ. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. God can rightly adjudicate your sin when you come to him in faith and repentance. That's the gospel. You see, once you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And when you believe in your heart, we're talking about being captured in your heart. This is, see, it's not about coming to the altar and, and saying some words. A confession can be seen in our lives. A confession is what we do. It's our performance. It's not just words that come out of our mouth, right? If I say certain things, you're going to want to see those things in my life. If I say I'm a Christ bearer, I bear the image of God, then you're going to want to see proof, right? There, there has to be some evidence and that's what we're talking about this morning. When we confess Him from the heart, we will be saved. Why? Because with the heart, a man, uh, with the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness. There's an action that comes from that confession, and the and the reaction. I'm not going to get into that. Is because of how we view God. You see, there is hope of repentance when we see the worthlessness and powerlessness of idols and we see the majesty of God. With sin taken out of the way, we are now able to be loved by God. And when his, this love begins to wash us, we have a growing desire to please Him. That's what we're talking about. That's the evidence. That's our performance. We see Him with our hearts. God sees us as Christ and as His image bearers. Colossians 3.10 says that and we have put on the new self. It's a new image who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the One who created Him. We have the image of Christ in us. We have it. If we've invited Him into us and we've repented and come to the altar and said, God, I need you. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to, to move forward in my relationship with you. You have Christ. His image has been imputed to you. His righteousness has been imputed. That means it's been put on you. You didn't get it yourself. This is not something you work for. This is something you work from. It's like being hired for a job. Once you get hired, you do your job. Once you get saved, you just continue to present yourself to Christ. Even if it's over and over and over and over, after every failure, after every failure, trust me, when you operate in that aspect, you're not going to fail forever. You're going to continue to grow in your faithfulness to God. You will. God will change your heart. It will happen. I'm standing here as proof today that I once was a worthless sinner. 
But today, I'm a washed sinner. <laughs> Notice sinner's still there. Okay? Because we all sin. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I've been found by God. God found me. He, he sees me. He sees me not according to my sin. He sees me because He loves me. Because He wants me to be in the family. It was His original deal. He wanted us in the garden with Him. But a lot happened between the garden and now, right? But the one thing that matters the most is the fact that Jesus died on that cross, rose on the third day for you to be free. That is the most powerful thing that happened, irregardless of everything else. Even going back into the Old Testament, all the weird stuff that happened and all the, all the falls and the Satan and demons and all this stuff and sin and unfaithfulness, all these things. God is saying, I put those down on the cross. I lifted my son up so that when you look upon him, you can have salvation. See, John 5, 39 and 40 says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me and you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. See, again, God is not after your performance. He's asked, he's, he wants you to come to him over and over. First time, second time, third time, millionth time. Again, this is not just coming to the altar once saying, yeah, I believe in Jesus and you go live the life the way you want to. No. You're going to find that's impossible. <laughs> If you really came to the altar and had your heart turned by God, you're going to find that that kind of living is impossible. Why? Because God is going to torment you. He's going to make it impossible for you to live in that way. That impossibility is going to drive you to your knees. And it's going to cause you to cry out in repentance. Trust me, I know. I've been there. And it works every single time. And every time I get up off my knees, it's a little better. It's a little better. It's a little better. More breakthrough. Continue walking. More breakthrough. Continue walking. It's our walk. It's normal. It's what we do. You see, repentance is what allows us to come to Him, to receive forgiveness and deliverance, to restore the image of God in us. But you might ask, well, what if I come to him and I give him total access in my life, but yet I fail at maintaining consistency? That's what I'm talking about. Just want you to know that God is not angry at you. In fact, he is pleased when we keep coming back to him. The only time he's going to be displeased is when you don't. When you stay away because of guilt and shame, fear, doubt. You know, right now we have a, a granddaughter in our home, Anaya Drew. She's amazing. She's a little bundle of joy. And, and, you know, I could be having the worst day and she's just smiling at me, little, two little teeth down here. Right? And it just brings life. I'm just like, you're just so, what's happening to me? I love you. 
But the one thing that she's starting to do right now is she's learning how to walk, right? And so she, she's in her crib, right? Or her playpen, rather. And the bottom is like, you know, it's, it's not stable, but man, she'll be like hanging on and then I'll run to the other side and she'll turn around and she'll go, right? But sometimes what does she do? She falls. What do I do? Pick her up. Try again. See, God is not angry with us when we fall. He's, he's always going to be there to pick us back up if we come to him. That's the if. Again, the if isn't are you, accept, are you accepted by God, do you accept him? Are you going to keep coming to him even though you fail over and over and over and over? Because Jesus said there's no end to his mercy and grace. While you have breath in your mouth, you have a chance to repent over and over and over. This doesn't mean that your salvation is lost and gained and lost and gained. No. This just means that your walk with God is normal, just like everybody else. You see, God's primary focus as we close is not your performance. He simply wants you. Jesus didn't endure the cross so that we could just be religious people, having a form of godliness but denying that power. See, he wants your love. Can you imagine a bride saying, I will always be there for you? On your wedding night, you show up and then there's like, well, what do you want? Right? Or you show up with your husband? Yeah, what do you want? Well, this intimacy thing comes with marriage? No, we don't do that. It sounds odd, right? It's just as odd in our relationship with God. You see, that's why there's an assault today on marriage, on biblical marriage because it promotes something lesser than God's original image for the relationship that we have with him. It's meant to be displayed. The image of marriage is the image of a right relationship with God. We are in covenant relationship with each other in marriage. We're in a covenant relationship with God. That's why this person right here is going to stand for biblical marriage to the day that Jesus comes back or I go home to him. Amen? Because it represents the right relationship between God and His church. It's an image that we stand to protect. And David also says in Psalm 1611, in His presence is fullness of joy. In His right hand are pleasures forevermore. In his pre it is in His presence and fullness of joy that our sins are covered. We walk in the light. This is where we find the gift of righteousness, his image, alive and well in us. It's that prompting to do the right thing. We just have to follow it. You have to stop ignoring it. You have to take God's hand and move forward. <clears throat> when we find this gift of righteousness in us, we rejoice. And it is from this that our performance happens. This is where we lose our idols.
because we have a right image of God and we have a right image of ourselves. Because it is his kindness that leads us to repentance. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He's the one who judges us. Not me. Not anyone in this room. Only God is your judge. And going back to the scripture, it says that your sins are as white as snow. He has chosen to remove them out of the way. See, God is trustworthy because he has great passion for us to know him and simply be known by him. There is life when we see the majesty of God instead of the worthlessness and powerlessness of idols that we used to serve. And we let our light shine before men and we bring glory to God. Amen? Amen. All right, well, let's pray. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Father God, I just pray if there's anyone in this room today or even online that are listening anywhere, that maybe they have not really had the right image of you or the right image of themselves. And I just want to give you the opportunity right now to turn to Christ once and for all. Maybe it's the 300th time. And to accept him into your life as he truly is, knowing this is as you truly are. If that's you, just go ahead and raise your hand this morning and I will pray with you. Thank you. See that hand? See those hands? Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. Even if you didn't raise your hand, you can pray along with me. Father God, I thank you and I come before you because I do. I believe in my heart that you died for my sins and that you have been raised on the third day for my justification. And I repent of my sin. I turn from my unbelief. I turn from my idols and I come to you with empty hands. And I pray for you, Lord God, to be my Lord and my Savior. I pray for the Holy Spirit to guide me and lead me all the days of my life. And I promise to remain in fellowship with those who love you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you prayed that prayer, please make your way over to our one-to-one sign and they'll give you a booklet and take down your information. And with that, be blessed. Have a good week. And I'm rising up with you. Rising up with you. Rising up with you. Rising up with you. You take me high on the wings of your truth. Yes, I'm rising oh, up God. with you.
I'm right. 